Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Soul Brew Podcast. This is episode 34, Chrysler, one year on with Lisa Gallagher. I am talking with my co-host, Stephen Doak, and myself, Aidan Hunter. If you have not listened to the podcast before, we talk about practical examples to healthier lifestyles, and we try to have deeper philosophical conversations, and we encourage you to do the same. Yes, and today's episode is a special one. We are coming to the weekend of a year anniversary from 7th of October 2022, which is a day that anyone else from Chrysler, Donegal, or Ireland even, um, will ha- find hard to forget. When so myself and Aidan are from Chrysler, and around 3 p.m. on that day, uh, an explosion occurred at our local petrol station, which unfortunately claimed the lives of 10 people. And I just want to highlight them, people, before we move on. Um, sadly, the people that passed away that day were Leona Harper, Robert Garway, Shauna Flanagan Garway, James O'Flaherty, Martina Martin, Hugh Kelly, Catherine O'Donnell, James Monaghan, Martin McGill, and Jessica Geller. And we want to remember those people today and we want to dedicate this episode to them and to their families. And we are joined today by one of those family members, Aidan Erdley. Yeah, so today we are talking with Lisa Gallagher, who's sister of Jessica Gallagher. Uh, as we approach this year anniversary, we felt that we would give a voice to someone more directly involved. Uh, Stephen and myself were on the scene that day as well, um, but we're very grateful to get talking to Lisa. The episode talks us through Lisa's events on that day, um, her experience of the weeks and months later, um, and then we get to remember her sister and remember the people of Chrysler uh, and everybody who was involved in any way in the on the day, the weeks, and the months afterwards. Yeah, and normally we drink, for anyone that has listened to episodes of Sobri before, we normally have a cup of coffee and talk through the coffee at the start of an episode. But today we want to thank three businesses in particular uh, and anyone else who was involved uh, this time last year, but the Coffee Pod in Chrysler and Huckleberry, two local coffee shops that you know, worked tirelessly throughout the night, feeding people and taking people in and did a lot of work around the time, uh, this time last year. And also the shack, which is a place where I went the day after um, the explosion and a lot of other people from around the area um, sort of gathered there. We had coffee, toasties, everything. There was no charge. It was just given to us and it was just the start of the community healing together. And that's something else we touch on in this conversation with Lisa. Lisa, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you are keeping well. I am. Thanks for having me on, Stephen Aiden. It's nice to see some familiar faces this side of the world. Mm-hmm. Where are you at the moment? I'm in Santa Rosa, uh, which is above san francisco but an hour ahead of san francisco so i'm 
west west coast california from from west coast Donegal to west coast california is a bit of a difference isn't it it, it is and it's the sunny weather and it's the you know different way of life and the dollar bill and the really good mexican food which is a bit different <laughs> from uh Chrysler. but there's some similarities at home everyone's friendly and the only thing is there's no GA, which makes my life a bit harder but um yeah otherwise it's, it's good here i like it i've gone back to GA myself and i haven't played since i was about 20 and i swear to god i my hip flexor is gone my hamstring is gone my ankles <laughs> are in bits but yeah it's good fun um speaking of home um and and what the, this podcast is about i'd like to start the conversation uh with the opening question um to take us back to around this time last year and i remember myself i was heading off um to austria actually on saturday the 8th uh and on that friday Stephen and i had just finished a recording actually off soul brew um and after the initial confusion at the moment of what happened um that day photos very quickly started to circulate on social media um and people began finding out where their loved ones were um myself uh my father like many would have been in that shop several times a day and i remember ringing his phone and got no answer and i remember the panic that i felt and I remember the visions that I had gone through my own head. I then rang my mum. I rang home and she also didn't know where he was. Um, and after some searching around the farm, she found him. And what was probably only 30 seconds felt like an absolutely eternity to me. Um, but dad was safe. Having to make those sort of phone calls or receiving a phone call like that is probably most people's idea of hell. And my question to you is, could you tell us how the events of that day unfolded for you? Uh, yeah, so at about, well, a little backstory, I was down in Galway, because that's where I was living at the time, and I was supposed to move to San Francisco the following Tuesday, and I had a hen party to go to that night for those, kind of the Friday night and the Saturday night. So I was trying to work and like pack up my apartment and do all that stuff. And at about quarter to four, I got a call from or a FaceTime from our mutual friend in Chrysler. And which was really strange to me because she would never ring me during the workday. And I answered the phone and her face was white. And my first thought was, who's dead? Ironically, that was my first thought. And she goes, Lisa, the petrol station crisis blown up. And I was like, what are you on about? No, it hasn't. So she sent me the photo. And my first thought was, I knew Jessica had been home the night before because she sent us a photo of her getting dinner down in Hingham's Glen or somewhere. And I was like, you know what? I don't know where she is. I have to get off the phone and ring around and see where she is. The thing about it is Jessica's notorious for not answering the phone. Like the world could be ending and she wouldn't text you back. And that was just how she always was. So I got off the phone and I tried to ring her and her phone was still ringing. So we were like, 
I was like, she must be grand. She must have probably left the phone in the car and has gone to the beach or gone mm-hmm. for a walk or whatever. Because I didn't know if she was in my home house or if she was up in Chrysler or not. Mm-hmm. So I was ringing her. I was messaging her, getting, trying to get her on Snapchat. She wouldn't answer. So I then rang my mommy and I was, she was at home and I was like, the petrol station place is blown up. Where are you? What, like, what's happening? Blah, blah. And she was like, oh, I'm just out here for a walk. I'll, I'll go and see. She actually had heard the explosion in Chrysler because where our house is, is kind of over the hill. You can, you can see the shop near enough from our house. And she heard the bang and she was like, Jessica's up there. I have to go down. So she, it was actually quicker for her to walk down to Chrysler than to drive. Um, I then rang Shauna. She was in Derry working. She was like, she had to better come home. So she left work straight away and she came home. Um, my daddy actually wasn't well that week. So he wasn't at home. He was up in Letterkenny. And I was kind of texting him and he was like, he was trying to ring Jessica as well. But that I initially, when I tried to ring her, I was kind of, across I was like of course when something happens she's not gonna answer the phone because she never answers the phone to then being like oh maybe she's grand and then it was but not if she what if she's not grand but it never came into my head that she'd be caught up in it like when these things happen you never think it's going to be you or your family ever it's always it's always someone else it's never you Mm -hmm. So, it, but then we were like chatting on our family group chat to be like, oh, she's probably grand. Her phone's ringing. It's, it will all be fine. We like, we had no idea because nobody was in Christ apart from mommy. None of us knew what was, like a lot of people didn't know what was going on. So, yeah, the extent of it, like the extent of it, yeah. Because we were, mm-hmm. we heard it. We, we were in Aiden's house. We weren't that far from it. We heard it. But you don't think like that you don't think that scale of something could happen mm-hmm. and like that yeah you one minute you think the worst of people you can't get in touch of and then you're thinking oh they're fine and then you yeah so like yeah we can relate to that it's just so hard at the time because you really don't know what's going on and it yeah. must be obviously you're down in galway <clears throat> and like it is harder when you're hours away and you actually can't help Mm-hmm. that's the thing it's like like afterwards I was thought like oh if I was at home what would I have done like I could have uh, gotten the car I could have gone up to get her earlier in the day because I know like she was packing up her house because she was new or packing up stuff in her house because she was moving to Belfast on mm-hmm. the Saturday so I think like if I was at home I could could like gone up to get her at lunchtime and brought her back to the house and she could have been packing up her stuff and she'd be grand but you can't think what ifs because that that'll tear you down that'll really cut you in half if you start thinking what if i did this what if i did that whereas no one knew what was going to happen no you can't know or guess that no i think what ifs was the question on everyone's mind what if i was a you know you know yourself you pop into that shop anytime you go past like every time like that shop was never quiet ever No. And like everyone, every... it was it was quiet on a Sunday morning when everybody was at mass. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure, where else would be a priest on a Sunday morning with mass? Um, how did so? That's kind of harrowing to hear that. How that was a quarter to four. So 
where were you like in the hours afterwards and how did you know by the time that your mom got to the shop like how did those hours play out for your family and for yourself and the rest of the Friday I suppose well for myself I when actually Han, or, or Han Hannah had sent me the photo of the shop and I I was supposed to be working because I work from home I was supposed to be working and I just I just messaged my manager and I was like I'm gone I sent him the photo and he was like he was like don't just close your laptop don't do anything and then but the thing about it is because I ha- was supposed to be going on the Tuesday to America and going to this hen party in the evening I couldn't actually leave Chrysler or I couldn't sorry I couldn't leave Galway until I knew what was going to happen because there's no point me being two hours up the road in Sligo and then having to turn and come back because she'd be fine mm-hmm. so but then I remember I remember trying to pack my bag and I couldn't I couldn't think of what to put in the bag. I couldn't think of what I had to get sorted for later on that day. I couldn't think of anything. Mm. You just your mind isn't just a, like panic mode, just like what do I do? Even though nothing had nothing heard bad by that stage, you just can't organize anything. But that's that was quarter to four and then we got a call then, maybe around six o'clock, that that Jessica had been killed in the explosion, which that was only two hours, which isn't a long amount of time. Like, I don't want to say we were lucky, but we were lucky that we didn't have to wait. Like Leona Harper's family had to wait to the next day to hear. Mm-hmm. So the 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 thing with it, like I got actually it was my mama who rang me. Or sorry, I text Shauna to be like, what's going on? And she just texted back saying, ring mommy. And I was like, all right, she probably doesn't have credit to ring me or whatever. And mommy wouldn't talk to me. She'd like put end on the phone. So she told him and then he told me. And then uh, when that happened, I rang my dad and then we all cried for like five minutes. And then it was like, right, we have to get organized to go. So I rang like a few family members and then packed up the car and just got in the car and came up. But the only thing about it was because we were, it took us longer to get home than what it should have, because we were packing up the apartment and Enda gave every scrap of clothing he had to his aunt who was in Galway and she was driving back to his home house. So we had to meet his mother and his aunt in Lockray, collect all his clothes and then come back up to Creaselet, come back on ourselves and go back up to Creaselet. So we were five hours driving up that's a long time to be which was that which was the longest drive i've ever had and he like usually we split the driving so like i drive to maybe sligo and he drive up to Pixla mm. or vice versa but the main thing i remember is people messaging me to be like oh i'm really sorry for your loss and my thought about that was how do you know that i've been told I know about this and I've woken up to or I've opened my phone and I've messages from people from kind of like Chris Little family to be like oh I'm really sorry for your loss like I could have been over in America and been eight hours behind and not woken up to a phone call or whatever and just had all these messages and that's why when we found out uh, because daddy was up in Letterkenny we couldn't like mama couldn't go up and tell him the guards had to tell him because the way social media works now the way everyone has phones um 
he could have found out through looking at his phone or somebody like a, a neighbor ringing him or something like that so my advice to people is that if you hear news like this keep it to yourself until maybe the next day or the day after because you could really ruin someone's life by some random or that you don't know ringing you to say oh just so you know like that's how jessica's name got leaked first is it was actually um a cousin of my dad's out in Gidor who we don't really know put it on facebook that his cousin's daughter had died in the explosion which like and um, we were like we don't know this man we've never met him so when things like this happen don't go on social media and say anything until you know the facts and we didn't know the facts until a few days later Jesus. This kind of <clears throat> leads me into sort of the next question that I, I have written down here. And it's that we've never, or at least I've never experienced anything of this magnitude before. And on the days and weeks and months following that, like the whole community, the county, the pretty much whole country rallied around Chrysler. And even like Mr. Higgins visited. Um, so president higgins <laughs> president higgins yeah <laughs> apart from dealing with the loss of your sister and the shock and the disbelief of of what happened how did it feel having so much focus on you personally or as a family did it ever feel like a lot of pressure i can hear in your voice there how you felt about the social media um like so you're, you're dealing with loss but you're also dealing with a lot of eyes how, how did all that unfold in those days and weeks or did you switch off your phone like um no because we lived in such a bubble for about let's say from the friday until the wednesday we didn't know what was going on outside and i am addicted to the news like i I did politics in college. I love news and I love first. So I was always had the news like or like during the day you'd be checking up. But also we didn't know what was happening in Crystal either. Nobody was coming up to our house to tell us, oh, this is we found this person or this has happened, this happened. So we kind of kept up to date by looking at the news. But in saying that, we were hounded by the press. I will never believe anything I read in the press ever again. Because it's they just make up anything they can they get half a story and they make it into something so like we had um people from like itv contacting us directly they act what they did was they went on jessica's facebook they found out remember years ago you could put like oh this person's my cousin or this person my sister they contacted mm -hmm. anyone whose second name was gallagher and contacted them to be like are you a relation of this person can you give us more information um like yeah yeah or yeah, this, I got so many messages from and like different Irish news outlets. Um, um, I know the some of the press went on to like Jessica's like social media and like took off her photos and put them on their, uh, like their publications. And they took pictures of my parents off her and or like Instagram, and Facebook, and put it on their publications, which I really didn't like. I was like, don't bring them into it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, I think. The only outlet that reached out to us that we were happy to talk to was um, Highland Radio because they sent, I think it was on the Saturday or the Sunday, they sent me a really nice message 
to be like do you want to come on like you don't have to it was just a nice message and daddy was kind of like you know what we'll, we'll do it for them because it's our like local station mm-hmm. but like that we had you had to be careful what you said even you can't put anything on not that I put anything on social media anyway but you can't even when you're talking to people you don't know we had to be so careful if you didn't know them what you were saying mm-hmm. um I think I was down at the on the Saturday kind of afternoon I was like you know what I said to end I was like we'll go down to Priestland and see the site because before that it wasn't real so going down to see it makes it real and we were there and we were in floods of tears and it just wasn't a nice place to be so uh, a lady came over that we knew came over to us we were talking to her and then there was people kind of standing around like half looking at us to be like oh who are they and whatever and then father john joe came over and we were talking to him and then this person appears out of nowhere to come over and shake my hand and this person only did that because Father John Joe was there and they realised who I was. And I was also wearing like um, an LGFA top. And this mm. person was like, oh, I'm involved in the LGFA. And I was like, grand. Like, you can see I'm talking to the priest here. And then this person went back over to where they were standing and took out their phone and took a photo of me and ended up the priest. No way. And it was done so obviously. And only that I was so upset, I would have went over and probably fought them because I just thought it was it was so obvious and it was so um like self-centered to be like oh I'm here but look what I can see it was almost near like gossip getting so then I wanted to walk down then to the coffee dock to get um like tea and coffee and like cups and stuff for the house and as I was walking past this person I stopped because I met um someone I knew and this person said to the person beside them, oh, that's the sister there. Fully so I could hear it. And only that I was crying, I would have turned around and said something to them. So like that, you had to be careful where you went, mm-hmm. who you saw, what you said, because somebody would pick it up or somebody would say something. And like, I, I don't like people do, like doing that, being like, I'm not a celebrity. I don't want to be talked about. Like, I don't like everyone knowing my business. Like, on social media, I can, like, control what's mine and what people know about me. But now I feel everyone in Christ knows who I am. Everyone in the family knows who I am. And I, I'm not a fan of it. At all. But in saying that, I have, like, reconnected with a lot of people. I made surprising friends with people I didn't ever expect to. I've had good and surprising conversations with people I never expected to. So in one hand, I was a celebrity in a bad a celebrity in a bad way, but on the other side, I've made a lot of connections with people I n- never thought I would. Do you think them connections helped a lot more because they were local connections? Do you feel yes. like yeah yeah. De- yeah definitely like I'm not particularly like I'm not gonna say I'm not popular around Chrysler but I don't know everybody because I've been away for about 10 years so you kind of lose knowing people but I've reconnected with so many more people like people from what we know from school or people from football or 
anything like that. Yeah, I think that's one thing, just talking about it in general. I feel like when you talk to someone from Krisa, not it's not an easier conversation, but it feels you're sharing something yeah. together. It's a mutual collective experience we've all had. Mm. And I think that's what makes it not easier, but because you have the collective experience. Like I find that a lot with, so at, we buried Jessica on the Tuesday and on, I think it was the Wednesday, we went to five wakes, five people's wakes. Which if you think, the two of them were double wakes, which I've never been to. Yeah. And that, if you think about it, that's not normal. But in saying that, my house was full of people for days and I thought it was just my house. But then we went to these other wake houses that were full of people as well. And you're like, oh, it's not just my house. Your house is exactly the same, which mm-hmm. was not, a, not a, I'm going to say a nice experience, but it was good to see it wasn't just us because you're living in that bubble for so long. And as well, like I found when we went to these other houses, we were bringing stuff from our house to them. So we were bringing like if we had spare tea bags left or biscuits or whatever, we brought them to other houses because we were like, we don't need these. You can have them. But if you think about it, we're still working in the collective because mm-hmm. you're still looking after each other. Like these these other families came to our house on the Saturday and the Sunday and they had just been briefed and they mm-hmm. still came around. That, uh, so I left, so I was there on the Friday with Stephen and I left for Austria on the Saturday morning and I missed all that. And, mm-hmm. and that was a really, that was something that, that got to me for a long time because it was like, well, I had helped as much as I possibly could on the Friday. And it was very like you, like there was a suitcase lying open. There was stuff hanging out of it. And I didn't know what to do. Should I leave? Should I go? Um, and I decided to leave anyway, because at that stage, all the helpers and anyone that was involved was told to stand down. And so I was like, there's nothing much more that I can do. And I came to Vienna on the Saturday and and I had to go to work on the Monday. And they just had no, they just had no conceptual idea of what I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, I've never seen so many grown men looking into a building in disbelief. And like on that Monday morning, like I was like asked questions about work I had to perform it was like the whole uh, the whole week I actually genuinely can't remember and and for you like you said that you had lived in that bubble and it's that thing it's like right what do we need to do right we need to do this we need to organize chairs we need food we need tea we need tea bags whatever all that stuff when did that bubble sort of like when did that initial I suppose adrenaline maybe end for you and then like was there a moment of like just pure grief or like fuck like what actually just happened like what was that last week or two weeks or was there any moment like that that you experienced I didn't have that kind of shock didn't wear off for me till about St. Patrick's Day Mm. around that week because it was such a surreal experience that your brain just says no you're not doing this. We're not going to pretend there's nothing here. And that was it. 
but literally but from that day my brain was never quiet until maybe April or May time just anything to keep my brain busy was going and you feel absolutely nothing as well like your body has no feelings whatsoever like we went I remember for that swim on the what was it like two weeks after and I remember talking to Steve and I was like I've this is my first day I've felt anything for two weeks yeah. but I think I think that's very common mm-hmm. and it's only like I know there was like counting and stuff for people in Chrysler like immediately after but for I think this experience it's going to be years before people need any sort of counseling or help or anything it's kind of, it kind of I think it has parallels to what happens like people in the north and people in like kind of dairy and that who they live their lives having these explosions happen daily weekly and it's only years later that they're able to confront it or confront what happened to them like it's such a surreal experience that I think we can't comprehend what this is going to be like for people 10 years down the line 20 years down the line yeah and that's where you have to like look after yourself because if you don't you will lead yourself and your family into a sense of or even just have maybe generational trauma Mm-hmm. this is the thing if you don't this is my feeling especially around kind of like older people in Chrysler who maybe are like oh I don't want to talk to anybody about it my thing is that if you don't do it you'll build habits to cope these mightn't be very good habits and you'll pass these down to your kids to your grandchildren and you have to confront them because if you don't you're starting off a cycle that is very hard to end you're so that could be could be alcoholism could be drugs could be negative thinking could be something simple as you know driving your car too fast or something along the things you'll do to like cope and if you don't do it you're going to pass that down and it'll never end you seem to have like you seem to be have done a lot of things to deal with it over the past year maybe i'm just picking up there but what is it that you've done for yourself and maybe other things maybe for your family or you know someone's listening and like that you know the collective grief someone maybe that feels coming up to the anniversary or around this time that sadness coming up you know is there anything that you've done from your personal situation Mm -hmm. and that you feel would be helpful or well in the like in the initial period after because we couldn't control and or I couldn't control any part of my environment I just stuck to the things that I knew I knew I had to get up at a certain time I knew I had to go to the gym I knew I had to eat well and try not to drink too much and that that initial stuff which is very important because if you don't stick to this routine that you had previous to an event like that your your life will I don't want to say it'll fall apart, but you'll start doing things maybe you didn't do before and it mightn't be good for you. But like that, I've tried to stick to some sort of routine. Doing like kind of good things for myself, like going to the gym, eating well, doing those sort of things. And then was it kind of after March when kind of I the shock kind of wore off? I did like a couple of sessions of counselling. Um, 
through I think it's called Helplink, which is really good for immigrants or emigrants like myself. It's a free service you get from the consulate provides. But also I think what's good is or what I've done is talk to people from Chrysler about it. Like you don't have to talk about your feelings or anything like that, but you can just talk about the event itself or the people or what happened or what you saw that day or whatever because you'll get so many other stories that'll be something similar to yours and even like doing we've done like family group things where like we went and climbed Mount Ergel there and like in memory of Jessica with me and my 52 first cousins or a lot of them there was like 40 50 people did it and it was just you don't you can on when it happens to you you can think it's just yourself but when you meet other people you realize you're part of this group you're part of the collective and it's a bit less isolating because you can always feel like oh it's just me but no it's not just you it's a lot of other people feel exactly the same wow i go ahead Stephen. no go ahead no i i just um to touch back on, on what you said about you know years down the line like I remember that moment and what I said was looking at grown men looking into the building in disbelief and that evening I had to go down to Ards to my home house to pick up something before I left um, and I had to say goodbye to my parents and I broke down in my father's arms and because I was leaving the next morning and I was in such a state of shock and I just remember him saying, and, and this was just one of the most powerful things. I think someone of that generation, he said, as soon as you get over there, he says, you get help. He says, you, you get talking to somebody. And that was like the last thing he said to me. And even now I can feel it bringing up emotion. And I think what you said was very true that this might not hit people for a very long time, you know, and, and it's like that initial rally round is great but it's the support that people will need maybe in two three four five years time you know or even longer mm -hmm. as you said and, and to try and tackle it then is i think a very powerful message because if, if you like if you think about it this doesn't this, what has happened in chrysler doesn't happen to us like what has ever happened in chrysler nothing nothing exciting ever happens but if you go an hour down the road this happened every week and like I only know this because my sister Shauna lives in Derry and she can say no you can see the generational trauma that these people have from their parents being involved in this and their grandparents and themselves is that because they've not a lot of people haven't confronted it it's they've stopped living a free life they've they're they're stuck in a prison of their feelings and of their experiences and if you don't confront it you'll be stuck in that prison for the rest of your life and you'll you'll bring other people down with you. And I know it's hard to like do it and say these things, but if you don't make that sacrifice for yourself, you'll hurt yourself and other people. And nobody wants that. No, you're so right. And that's probably a very important message to come out of this episode is anyone this listening, whether from Chrysler or Donegal or anywhere, is that that talking about whatever you felt on that day or any other event. I think that people have experienced um, like having that, 
like you you've mentioned you have a big family and stuff you have people around you to rally around you and, and help you and Ender when you said I mentioned Ender is your husband you know he's obviously been so good um to have mm-hmm. with you especially I'm sure when you're living in a in a foreign country um he mightn't be too I don't think he's too happy that you gave um you gave us uh, your number there recently. I don't think he was too happy with that. I don't give out my number to men anymore. Uh, so I had to, it was like, just so you know, I had to shock these, these men by myself. Yeah. I think yeah. only that I met you previously, he was like, grand. <laughs> He's like, all right, I know that. Fine. Um, but I suppose you're living in California now and, and like having him by your side. Is there anything... Uh, I know we kind of spoke about before, but is there any sort of message you would give from your own personal point of view to maybe other people that are, aren't living in Krista, um at this time of year with obviously with, with the anniversary coming up? I would say to do something yourself that commemorates the event. Like I won't be in Krista for mass or any anything that goes on, but I'm going to do my own thing. Like I go to the beach or like do something that we can do at home very easily, like go to the the Californian Forest Park instead of the Irish Forest Park or do something that reminds you of home, but because you're living away, you can't do it. Mm. So, and the thing, the thing is, there's so many people living away from Chrysler than live in Chrysler. Mm. That's the thing. So, doesn't matter if you're in New York or Australia or Vancouver or here in California, you have to do something. And then I would think even if you do something, put it on social media, let other people know what you're doing because they might say, oh, they've done that. I'll do it too. And you can make like a big group of immigrants doing things together. Mm-hmm. That's a great, to feel that's, like you're not alone. That's a great idea. We could get yeah. roses to do a live stream. <laughs> <laughs> no from like an ulti they can do a stream yeah. too and yeah. maybe down the family and that but the, uh, like one thing i will say is like when you do live away there is an element of guilt of that you're not at home like to help or just be there but even just keeping in contact with home is another way you can help out mm. just like let people like just because you're living away you're out of the situation and you don't know what's going on but even just calling home, asking how people are on that day or what are they doing? Or I, I'm sure Father John Joe will have a stream of the mass. Yeah. Even if you're not even if you're not into it or you don't like going to mass anymore, just watch it or like that and do something to make a collective. I think that's a great idea. Um I this morning sat in a coffee shop when I was preparing my notes for this chat and I had a black coffee, which is something I don't usually drink. I'm usually a milky drinker. And I remember one of my summers in Dunfanny, I was serving coffee and Jessica would come to me almost every day. And as far as I remember, she was an Americano drinker as well. And it nearly just felt eerie this morning, nearly felt that she was sitting having this coffee with me as I was writing these notes. Um, I remember it being very friendly and very bubbly when she would come in. Um, and I just have the question, 
if there was one message you think that Jessica would want to get out in the world, as silly as it might be, or anything, what do you think it would be? What would she have liked to have said, or what message would she have liked to got to people? Um, I would say to push your boundaries. Like, for Jessica's like 24 years, she did a lot in those 24 years, which like she did much more than I ever did in my 24 years. And I think that's a good example to live by is she went off and did things like went, lived in China, lived in Paris, lived in Derry. She never, she she didn't want to stay in Chrysler. Not that Chrysler's not great or anything, but Mm -hmm. her thing was go out, push your boundaries, do the things that are scary, try them out. And enjoy yourself while you're doing it. Like I remember, she was like she was in college, working hard, but then was very partial to an overnight rave. So like, <laughs> do do these things that you don't get to like push your boundaries. Do do things that you'll never get to do at home. Mm. Pass. Hence, you're living so, in California, huh? Hence, I'm living in California. Don't like I now don't say no to things anymore since. Mm last year I'm like life's too short say yes like there are limits to that you can't be out uh, partying every weekend or going spending all your wages on flights places but like that take life by the horns and just live it because you could be dead tomorrow mm-hmm. such a positive note and uh, not just go for it just do things yeah. try things go for it mm-hmm. Like I was always like such a cautious person growing up. I was quiet. I said no to a lot of things. And I'm like, why would I say no? Just give it a go. That's amazing. Lisa, thank you very much for talking with us today. It's been a pleasure. And I've felt very connected to to all two of you and hopefully to the wider community. Hopefully this really helps someone. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, I would just like to end with one thing. The people of Chrysler have given us so much support. It's almost unexpected how much support they give us and they still consistently are. Like the when the explosion happened, the walls went up around Chrysler, which what I what I've been told from friends down the country is that that wouldn't have happened in their communities. Like one of my vivid memories is watching the news report from, I think the Saturday and they were interviewing people, I think outside the chapel. And there was a lot of words said, but no information given. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to thank everyone for just keeping, not keeping it to themselves, but just protecting us to the amount that they did. I think the the secrecy, element got so bad that the guards had to ask people to start telling them things because nobody was saying anything so and that's i think when you live in a country place it's secretive anyway but i think that's you can use it you can spin it kind of positively that we're really looked after so thank you for the to the whole of Chrysler and Dunfany and Vulgara people and Letterkenny people and everyone who did Lovely message. The real togetherness. You could just feel the togetherness, I think. Mm-hmm.
and it's still there oh yeah like I remember the days like I think it was on the Sunday we had to go up to Town to get stuff and even in the town people had these kind of looks on their faces of just shock and they were not even from Craigslist they're from half an hour up the road um I remember I went in I had to go to the chemist to buy stuff and the the chemist was like oh do you know does this person I was getting tablets for someone they were like oh does this person take tablets or do they take these often I was like I don't know I was like they only let this person out of the hospital because they're from Craigslist and she burst into tears and gave me a hug wow so I think we've really underestimated the impact of of what has happened in Chrysler nationally and maybe globally. Like when I saw we got a letter from the Pope, I was like, "That this is a big deal. This is a very big deal." So, oh, and other one other thing I want to say is that if you know someone who has been through this kind of situation or a similar situation and let's say you don't know them very well and you see them out come over and say something to them don't just do the stand and look thing that I feel I get that quite a lot now especially when I went home there for a few weeks people know who they know who I am they know who my family are but they don't want to say anything to you I would say go up and talk to them even just ask them how they are the weather's great today or whatever because that also leads to more connections and when you're involved directly in something like this even though you're in the collective when you I find when I go back to Chrysler it's hard because I've been away for so long but I know when I go back people know who I am so just come over and say something don't just do the whole stand and look thing which drives me mental fair just don't don't be asking for your number <laughs> don't ask my number don't send me love hearts <laughs> i will send my husband after you <laughs> <laughs> ah, lisa thank you so much this has been such a lovely conversation yeah thanks for inviting me on it's nice to kind of give our insight or kind of from a more personal level of what has gone on and how I can help people and how we can all look after each other. So that was a beautiful conversation that we had with Lisa Gallagher and a very close one to our hearts. Um, on behalf of Soul Brew, we would like to thank also just anyone who was involved on the scene that day, all the services the ambulance the guards the first responders and the army anyone that was involved um and even outside of that the coffee shops which we mentioned at the start of the episode if anyone is still struggling or has found that episode has triggered anything we will have um mental health services tagged in our bio in the description of the episode as always um and Stephen and myself are an open door if anyone needs to reach out. And to finish off this episode, Stephen is going to introduce a beautiful piece of music. Yes, so we weren't sure how to end the episode. And I remembered I came across this piece of music um, a few months after what happened. 
I'm going to give a brief explanation and then let the, the song speak for itself as it does. But it was a guy called Matt McCranahan and he was trying to put something together to get a feel for the village of Creaseland, what happened. And he found four affinities, old Irish words, which I'm going to try the pronunciation and hope I get them right. But they're duhus, which means an affinity to a place, history, culture, or heritage. Fealus, which is an affinity to a people. Annum, which is an affinity to oneself. And duhus, which is an affinity to faith, hope, and belief. And he searched far and wide for a word that encompasses all of those. And he thought he had created a word. When in fact, if him and, and some researchers found this word dating back to the 1100s, and it's an old Irish word called aldiv, which means great affinity, and it encompasses all of those four other words together. And I think that is the only way to describe Krisa in the aftermath of what happened. He dedicated this song to those 10 that we mentioned earlier and to their families and to the people of Chrysler. And I think it's a fitting way to end this episode. And here it is. <laughs>